This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up against the Gentiles, or stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe in cities of Laconia and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. The Wabash too, Kevin? Wabash? Okay. Yeah, eventually. Good morning. How are we doing? Doing good? Did you guys get some coffee this morning? Amen. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this. Um... Every job takes a certain level of skills to get that accomplished. Uh, if you're going to be an engineer, you probably should be fairly good at math and uh, good at attention to details. I am not good at math. In fact, I was in um, pre-trig my senior year and literally flunked out and joined the boys' choir. That's a true story because I was, okay, it's singing, just not at math. Um, not good attention to detail. So obviously, engineer was not going to be the thing that I'm going to do. Um, I've been telling you for the past several weeks now that we're all called to the gospel ministry, to making disciples. You have this calling in your life to further the message of the gospel, press it into the lives of people, to help them to become disciples. And the question could be, like, what does it require to do that? You're called to gospel ministry. Everyone just say, I'm called to gospel ministry. Say it. Okay, so the question is, well, what skills are required for that? What does gospel ministry require? We're going to make that the big question of the day. What does gospel ministry require? And here we are in the book of Acts now. We got the story of Paul, and he goes into Iconium along with Barnabas and the other uh, folks that are in that in his uh, um, partnership, and they go back into the Jewish synagogue. And what we see happening here is kind of the beginning of Paul's ministry. And what's happening here ends up kind of only going forward throughout the rest of the book of Acts. And I think we can see from this certain skills, certain requirements beginning to come to the surface that Paul only gets better and better at as he goes along. So what are those skills? What are those things? Well, that's the question of the day. And I want to show you here in this text four skills, four requirements that we need to be effective in gospel ministry. And so here's one. Write this down. It should kind of maybe surprise you a little bit, but speaking Speaking, what does gospel ministry require? Well, one thing gospel ministry requires is to say something. Is to speak it. It might seem silly to say, but I want to point out to you here in verse number one. Take a look at this with me. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue. And here it is. They spoke. Do you see it? And if you take a look down at verse number three, you see it again. 
And they remain for a long time. Here it is, speaking boldly for the Lord. So I'm taking apart Acts, and uh, Acts is a narrative. If you've been a part of the How to Study the Bible class, we talk about different genres and how every genre has you know its own unique way of studying it to be sure you get an accurate picture. Because the question for any sermon is always, why did the author write this? Why did the author put these things down? And when you're preaching a narrative or history, what you're, what you're doing is you're really just reading what happened. So why did Luke write this down? Because this is what happened. And he's just telling us a story. So when you're doing a narrative, you gotta, you gotta go a little further and you gotta ask, okay, not only what did he write, but, but how did he describe what he wrote? And when you look at this, there's some really interesting things that come to the surface. So you see twice there in this text, speak, and then speaking comes up. And the first time it comes up, it's really interesting. Look back at verse number one. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue. And watch this. And spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. So one of the things that Luke puts out in front is that they went in and they had this way of speaking that, that God used effectively and a great number of both Jews and uh, Greeks believed. So one of the things we have to just say right off the bat is if we're going to do gospel ministry, it takes speaking. Question. In order for someone to believe the gospel, they first have to what? Hear the gospel. In fact, the Bible says this in Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Okay. And how were they to believe in him in whom they have never church heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching. See, I, I gotta, I gotta say this because you, you get, you get little quotes like this that kind of get around the internet and, and, and they say things like this. This is Francis of Assisi. I know I've tanked him several times, but I just gotta do it again. So here it is. It says, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, what use words, um, and we read that and we're like, oh, wait, you mean I can preach the gospel, but don't have to say anything to anybody about it? <laughs> that sounds nice. So I'll just live in such a way. I'll live in such a way that they'll do it. And what in the world does that look like? Everybody else in your cul-de-sac puts up scary Halloween decorations, but you did harvest decorations. And you did pumpkins and you did hay and so, you know, they come knocking on your door. I noticed you didn't have any skeletons. Would you tell me about Jesus? I mean, is that what we're talking about? Drew, I'm going to borrow you again. Where's Drew? <clears throat> so, Drew is a pastor. Drew has been to Bible college. Uh, Drew gets paid to study and communicate the Bible. Right? Say so, Yes. Uh, Drew, would you tell me the gospel, but don't use any words? Tell me everything I need to know to be saved, but don't use any words. Right. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> um, not going to happen. The gospel is such a thing that needs to be spoken, church. The gospel is such a thing it needs to be spoken. So they spoke. 
Notice the text says this. They spoke in such a way. They spoke in such a way. So there was a way in which they communicated. And it was so effective. It was so good that Luke points it out. They spoke in such a way that what happened? Well, a great many, both Jews and Greeks, believed. That's incredible because the Jews and Greeks were very different culturally, massively different cultures at stake here. And yet, however, they presented the gospel. They did it in such a way that all of them or many of them believed. Now, we don't know exactly what that was. What did that look like? Like, did he tell jokes? Did he did he like, like what does it actually like play out to be? Well, um, uh, we don't know, but we do know a couple of things. We know for sure he preached the gospel. And we know the gospel was very clear. The gospel message was clear. It was very clear. We know that. So, if we're going to learn from Paul this morning and we're going to be effective at communicating the gospel, what should we do? Well, we should probably make the gospel message very clear. And if you just say the word gospel and ask the question, what is the gospel in church community at large? You're going to get all kinds of very interesting answers. And I wonder what happened if I were to pass a mic around and I were to say, hey, would you tell me the gospel? Aaron, tell me the gospel. And they'd be confused. Like, which Aaron? Because you both are Aaron. Why did you do that? So I'd be like, Aaron, tell me the gospel. And they'd have an answer. And then I'd go over here and Michael, tell me the gospel. Cordell, tell me. And, and there'd be lots. Okay, what's the four, uh, first four books of the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Or it's the good news. Okay, what good news? Jesus. I don't know. Something about Jesus. But right. So very. But do you know the gospel? How would you share the gospel with somebody? If you have the opportunity, how would you share the gospel with somebody? And you, we need to have a, a method. We need to have the message clear. Now, we've done it several ways here at Redemption. I'm going to remind you of those ways. And we've done it several ways on purpose. I'm going to come back and explain that. So first of all, we've done this. God is holy. I am not. Jesus died for my sin and rose again. I will believe. Everyone do that with me. God is holy. I am not. Jesus died for my sin and rose again. I will believe. So there's the four truths of the gospel. Now, I think it's important that if you share those truths, you're going to need some Bible to go with it. Because the word of God is quick and powerful, sharpening a two-edged sword, cutting to the dividing asunder of soul, spirits, joints, and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, Hebrews 4.11. So we know that the Bible cuts through to the heart. And remember the whole illustration? Well, what if they don't believe the Bible? Fine. What if you don't believe in my knife? Is it going to keep it from cutting you? The answer is no. The Bible still is effective. So we still want to use the word of God. So let me give you then the Romans road. Here are some verses from the book of Romans that will help you preach the gospel. Number one is uh, Romans 3.23. If you know it, say it with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody is a sinner. We're all a sinner. So fold that in there to your message. And I like to split up uh, Romans 6.23 into two parts. I'll say to somebody here, would you read up to the word death? Because it says this. For the wages of sin is death. Okay, what does that mean? So far, everybody's a sinner, and because of sin, what do we deserve? We deserve death, and that death is unquestionably hell. Revelation 21.8 tells us that. It's the second death, which is hell. Okay, so we're all sinners. We all deserve hell. 
But the verse doesn't end there. The verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Jesus died for our sin. In fact, that's where you get now Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so what do I do with all of that? Well, you have to believe it and receive it, and we receive it by asking. Romans uh, 10.13. For all who call, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's lots of methods that you could use to explain the gospel. I would recommend this to you. Here's, here's kind of the idea. Know the principles so well that depending on your audience, you're able to share them effectively. You just kind of know those core principles, which are God is holy. I am not. Jesus died for my sin and rose again. I will believe. And know how to share that and show the verses and talk about the gospel. And if you need some help with that, we have these booklets that I would encourage you to take a look at. You can get these on our website, redemptionfw.org slash resources. No, there is no link to click on. You have to know that whole URL, redemptionfw.org slash resources. Click on discipleship resources and check out the salvation booklet we have. It just lines out the truths of the gospel. And hopefully that'll be helpful to you to kind of know, oh, this is the gospel. There's another one on there about how to share your faith, how to share the gospel. That as well will give you the Romans Road, some illustrations, various ways in which you can do it. But here's the point, church. Do it. Communicate. Speak and speak in such a way that people can believe. Now, is there something to living that is an element of it? And there is. First uh, Peter three fifteen says this: But in your hearts, honor Christ Jesus, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yeah, do it with gentleness and respect. Oh, there's a whole bunch in that sermon, isn't there? Uh, some of y'all need to underline that last part of that gentleness and respect, okay? Just, just truth. But also, listen, uh, uh, you have to live in such a way that they can see your hope. Which begs the question for me, do you live with hope? Hope is so powerful, and the world longs for hope, and they find it nowhere else. Nothing brings lasting, eternal hope other than Jesus Christ, and that is true. And if you're living in the love and the joy of the gospel and thinking about Jesus, having your affections set on him, and what can shake you? Nothing can, because Jesus loves you and he's got you. And you can live with an incredible hope and people can look at you and say, where'd that hope come from? And then the whole point of the text is be prepared to give that answer. Be ready to give it. Know how to share the gospel. You want to be effective at gospel ministry? It takes speaking. It also takes this. Element number two, requirement number two. It takes toughness, toughness. So I got all the way to the end of verse number one. Going great so far. Let's go to verse number two. But the believing Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Ooh, that's interesting. So they're preaching the gospel, and they were met with some opposition. I mean, really, Paul, didn't you, um, didn't you learn your lesson from before? Like, that just happened. 
In fact, take a look at Acts 13 and take a look at verse number 50. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing. And the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet. Interesting text, interesting wording. Against them and went to Iconium. So it just happened. So here goes Paul again. He's going into the city again. And, and seriously, Paul, like change your method, right? Like, 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 why would you preach the gospel again? Like, shouldn't you water it down a little bit? Shouldn't you like make it more palatable for that, that, you know, and, and, and maybe go shallow first to go deep later? Shouldn't you? We did the same thing again. And what happens again is that they come after him again. Now, can we be honest with each other this morning? Are we, are we good for that? Are we good to be kind of real? Don't we kind of like tend to want to believe somewhere that if we did this church thing right, then everybody would love us? Like, don't we kind of think that if we just did it right and Christians, Christians would be just, just a little bit nicer to everybody around us and a little less, nah, you know, then, then people would just love us more. And we can do this in such a way that people like us and, and we kind of want to believe that. And listen, we just read to do it with gentleness and respect. There's a whole element there to yes, be loving, yes, be kind, yes, be respectful and, and don't be rude and a jerk about it. But there is just a base truth here. That Jesus himself said in John 15. Look at this with me. John 15, 18 through 20. Where he says this. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. By the way, if the world isn't hating us, probably we're doing something a little wrong. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. The truth is, is that (laughs) if we begin to water down the gospel, use less offensive words, Try to make it more palatable. Listen, you water down the gospel, you have no gospel at all. What element of the gospel are you going to leave out? God is holy. No, that's kind of important to state. There is a God. He is holy. I am not. That's the one we want to leave out the most. No, you're okay. Everybody's okay. We're all okay. You're a little, you're a, you're a rock star. You're going to take over the world. You're awesome. And this is what we talk about all the time. And Jesus died for our sin. Jesus being God, dying for our sin. Are we gonna, so there's nothing we can take out and not reduce the gospel. And so when we preach it, Tozer was right. Tozer said this, to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. To be right with God is often meant to be in trouble with men. But I don't think it's surprising for me to stand up here and to tell you that when you do gospel ministry outside, it is going to be met with opposition. I think what might be surprising to some of us is that gospel ministry still happens inside. Do you believe that gospel ministry still happens here? Uh, look around you. Go ahead. Look around. Can you uh, guarantee that everybody sitting in this room this morning knows Jesus Christ as their Savior? 
Some don't. And all of us need to believe the gospel deeper. So gospel ministry continues here. But look what happens in the text. It's really interesting. But the believing Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Isn't that sad? Listen, the very people they were coming to save were the very people that were attacking them. Uh, The very people that they were seeking to love and rescue were the very people trying to drive them out and do them harm. And that hurts on another level. When you're sacrificing and giving to people and those very people hurt you, it's painful on a whole other level. And I know it's true that many people have experienced deep, deep church hurt from the very people who should know better. I was uh, doing some computer training this past week, and um, I was teaching the class, and we were having a good time. I mean, you guys all know how funny I am, so we were having a good time up there as I was teaching the class. And, uh, you know, it kind of connected with a couple of students in the front row, and it was uh, a guy and a gal, and we got to talking, and, and during one of the breaks, he kind of revealed, hey, you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor, because I share that with the, with the, the groups. And then he said, yeah, I, I do puppet ministry for my church. And I'm like, I don't know if people still did that. That's awesome, right? Way to go. Cool. That's, that's great. We were talking, and the gal next to him was really, you know, kind of enthusiastic as well. I said, well, where do you go to church? He goes, oh, I don't. I gave up on the church a long time ago. It's full of hypocrites. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> that's why Jesus died. He died for those hypocrites. But that kind of church hurt is everywhere. Maybe you're here this morning and you've experienced that church hurt. So here I stand and I say, it takes some toughness. It just takes some toughness to do gospel ministry. You're going to have opposition outside of you. You're going to have opposition here in the room. And so why would you do it? And where do you find the strength to keep doing it again and again and again? For that matter, how do you find the boldness to speak up? I say, hey, speak the words of the gospel. And you say, I would love to. But when I get out there and I try and I get, I just, I guess I shrink up inside myself. I don't say what I need to say. Where does that come from? Where does this tenacity to keep going, even when you're hurt, come from? Well, hang on to that question. We'll get to it in just a minute. Let's look at the third. The third characteristic is steadfastness steadfastness. So where do I get that from? Well, good question. Look at the text now. So we got verse one, we got verse two. Uh, should we move on to verse three? Say amen. So let's do it. Here's verse number three. All right. Opposition comes. That's the idea. Verse number two, opposition is coming, but then you see this. So they remained for a long time. They remained for what? Long time. Hmm. Speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders be done by their hands. So you got this really interesting approach here. Opposition comes and they stick with it. They are steadfast. So how are they steadfast? Well, um, here's, here's some truth to just get, get down and understand. Oftentimes, oftentimes gospel ministry requires the long play. Oftentimes gospel ministry requires the long play. This is language that the elders have been using a lot. We just were at our elder retreat and we're, you know, look, we're no longer a church plant. We're a church. I mean, we're almost 10 years into this thing 
And though Adam and I are very used to the quick play, the let's go, let's get it done, and some ministries still require some of that quick play, there's a lot of long play at stake that we have to be okay with. Man, I got ideals and dreams about ministries that I want to do, and it's going to take us years to get there. And I'm okay with that. That's the long play. And that's certainly true of gospel ministry. Because what's the end goal? What's the end goal of gospel ministry? Well, here it is. This is Ephesians 5. Rather speaking the truth. Sorry, Ephesians 4, uh, 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So the end goal of gospel ministry is Christ-likeness. Well, we're all almost there, right? We got a long way to go. Come on, say it with me. Say it. We got a long way to go. Tell your neighbor, you got a long way to go. <laughs> Abby was very excited to tell Matt that he had a long way to go. There's a story there. Uh, and there's counseling available just so you know, in case you need it. One of my favorite Matt Chandler quotes is this. Uh, all the big and wonderful things that God is doing in your life, he is doing over a long period of time in a whole lot of ordinary. There's just something to getting up every day and striving to be a godly husband again and striving to be a godly father again and striving to just preach the gospel and reach my city again and to lean into my small group, to lean into those I'm working with and to just be about the long haul. There's something very beautiful about that. I just want to encourage you. This takes a long time, and we got to be committed to this. We love the quick play. The quick play is fast, and it's, it's easy to measure success, and it's exciting, and we can see results, and it's good. The long play is slow, and it's arduous, and it's time-consuming, and it it's wears you down. And like so much of what God is doing, it is over a long period of time in a whole lot of ordinary Okay, so the how, the long play. Let's talk about the what. And we're going to dive into the text a little bit here to see this. And uh, so, again, verse number three. Uh, uh, so they remained for a long time. What were they doing? Well, we know this. They were speaking, like we said before, speaking boldly for the Lord. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness to what they spoke. Okay, so who bore witness. And then it says granting signs and powers and all that. But, but bore witness to what? What did they speak? Well, the text is really clear. They spoke. Do you see it there? The word of... Of his grace. Say that with me, please. The word of his grace. We're just taking this text apart here this morning. And what, what, what they did, what, what they spoke boldly again and again and again and again over the long haul, they spoke the word of his grace. All right. Jews were coming in. And uh, were Jews about grace or were Jews about law? Law. Do it. Come on. You gotta do this. You gotta obey all these things. You gotta be after this. You gotta do this, do this, do this, do this. And they came in and they preached the law and preached the law. And so now that these Gentiles are beginning to believe in the word of his grace, that Jesus died for them, and all they have to do is believe and receive his grace, Jews are saying, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. You gotta work it. You gotta work it. We can know that. Because it happens often. And here's another time when Paul was ministering, this time to the Galatians, where this comes up. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Christ was, uh, Jesus Christ was publicly crucified. Let me ask you only this. 
Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What's the answer, church? Hearing with faith. You don't know what that means? Look at me. To be right with God, you just have to believe in what Jesus has done for you. For you to be right with God again, all you have to do is just believe in what Christ has done for you. That was true in November of 1987 when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. It was true this week. However many years later, I don't want to think about it. I'm getting older. Shut up, I know. Do you see Paul's adamance here? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Check this out. Having begun by the Spirit... Are you now being perfected by the flesh? You didn't do it then. You're not going to do it now. We grow in grace. We go through, through grace. It's all about grace. And so as a church, what should we be doing? Well, we should be preaching the word of church. Grace. And that's why you hear over and over again, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I heard this week of somebody who had left our church quite a while ago. And one of the reasons they left, they said, is that, well, all they did over there is preach the gospel. Amen. Yep. <laughs> you got it. By the way, if you're going to preach the Bible, you're going to end up preaching the gospel a lot. Because it's in the Bible a lot. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. So we're going to be committed to the steadfastness of gospel ministry. Church, come on. Let's be committed to one another in the steadfastness of gospel ministry. And I want to say to you again, to be right with God, it's not you getting up and getting self-disciplined and nailing this Christian walk and being awesome, being an awesome Christian. It is about you getting up, falling on your face and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he saves you. I, you're already saved, once for all saved. But he, he forgives you again. And the gospel pours out new truths into your heart again. And it's glorious. All right. Last one. Speaking. What, is, what does the gospel ministry require? It requires speaking. It requires toughness. It requires steadfastness. And then there's this. It requires some wisdom. It requires some wisdom. Well, where did I get that? Let me show you. Here's verse number four of the text. So we're going to finish it out now. Uh, four through seven. Here we go. Uh, but the people of the city were divided. Wouldn't it be interesting to live in a place where people were divided? That must be weird. Uh, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. Verse 5 now, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it, and what they do? They fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. Okay, okay, so, so you have earlier, opposition came, they stuck it out for a long time. Now you have oppositions coming, and they flee. Which was Right? Both were right. It takes wisdom. It takes wisdom 
And if you want to know the secret as to how you determine which is which, take a look at the last verse in this text. Here's verse 7. And they continue to preach the gospel. Here's the question. What puts me in the best position to continue to preach the gospel? And their very lives were at stake. And yeah, they need to stick it out for a time and do the gospel ministry for a time. But there is a time when you got to say, all right, this is not effective for preaching the gospel. i got to get to where it's effective to preach the gospel. And so they had to move on. And this dichotomy of... Sometimes stay, sometimes go, sometimes answer, sometimes don't is found all throughout the Bible. Here is Proverbs 26. Look at verse number four where it says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then verse number five says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And you're like, Oh, uh, are you like bipolar? Like what's going on here? Like what is this? And the reality is you kind of have to have some wisdom. And figuring that one out. And a lot of Holy Spirit leaning in you and teaching you and guiding you. Yes, the Holy Spirit still guides. We want to see that happening. You see it in Titus. This is interesting. This is Titus uh, chapter 3, which says this. Or, uh, yeah, chapter 3, verse 8. Is it trust? What are they saying? I want uh, you to insist on these things. He's talking to a pastor. So Paul's talking to a pastor. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and, but avoid, it says, but avoid foolish controversies for they're unprofitable and worthless. Look at verse number 10. As for the person who stirs up division after warning him once, and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, for he is condemned. So yeah, stick with it. Stick with it again. But if the gospel is not progressing, it's time to let that guy go. And there is a time when you're witnessing and you're witnessing and you're witnessing and you're sharing and you're sharing. And it's just going to become evident that this he's, he just, he doesn't, he's not going to believe. They're not going to get it. And I've got to walk away from that. All right, so how do you know that? How do you gain that wisdom? Like, where in the world does that come from? Um, here's where it comes from. Because we, we would say, our tendency, where it comes from is, I got to do better tomorrow, right? I'm going to do better tomorrow. That's not where it comes from. It comes from this, staring at Jesus, looking at Jesus. The verse says this, and by the way, this is not the verse. We got the wrong one. This should be four, this is fourteen. It should be eighteen. Take your Bibles. Go to Second Corinthians thirteen eighteen. I'm almost done. I won't be much longer. But let's go to Second Corinthians thirteen eighteen. I want you to see them in the Bible yourself. First Corinthians thirteen. Uh, actually, it's three eighteen. Three eighteen would be the right one. First Corinthians. Sorry, here it is. Second Corinthians three eighteen. You try preaching twice in a row and not messing stuff up. All right, get up off me. Second Corinthians three eighteen says this. And we all, 
with unveiled face, check this out, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Did you see it? As we behold the glory of Jesus, we're being transformed from one degree of glory over the long haul through steadfastness into his image. So how do you become more like Jesus? By looking at Jesus. By staring at Jesus. Because he nailed all of this. Hey, did Jesus ever speak in doing the gospel ministry? I mean, come on. You have verses like this. Luke 8, 4, which says this. And when a great crowd was gathering and the people from every town came came to him, he said. He spoke. He said a parable to them. So, yeah. And that's just one. I, I could have picked out. So many verses that talked about him speaking. He spoke to crowds. He spoke to individuals. Think woman at the well. Think rich young ruler. Yeah, he spoke. Did Jesus ever show any toughness? Hebrews 12 too. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him here at his church endured the cross. Yeah, he, he showed some toughness. <laughs> Did he show steadfastness? One word, disciples. You ever read these guys? I want to be first in the kingdom. I want to be first. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. Hey, Jesus, when we get to heaven, can I sit at your right hand? Then John, hey, Jesus, do you want me to call down fire from heaven and scorch all these guys? And he remained with them. And he loved them to the end, the Bible says. Yeah, he showed steadfastness. And to even ask, did Jesus show wisdom? Sounds a bit blasphemous. He's the embodiment of wisdom. But even along the line, we're talking about when to stay, when to go. Jesus says this in Matthew 10. He says, in whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house here is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust off your feet. That sounds familiar. And when you leave that house or town. So there's even Jesus saying, there's an element here where we're saying it's time to depart. And the way in which you are going to do this It's not mustering up the ability within yourself. I mean this. It is you loving Jesus more and beholding Christ more. It's going to be you on your way to work tomorrow. Uh, Let's shut off the um, sports radio tomorrow morning. Can we do that? Maybe for the week. Shut off the sports radio. Turn off, you know, your podcast. No more, you know, sci-fi podcast for the week. We all listen to them. We all know we do, okay? We're all in this together. We're going to shut those off for a week. And we're just going to listen to songs that remind us about Jesus. I'm not saying for the rest of your life. But I'm saying it's just take like a week and just focus in on listening to songs that remind us of Jesus. Going to the Bible. Like, you ever read something that just stirred your heart up, stirred your affections up for Jesus and God's word? Put those verses in front of you. Talk to your spouse about how wonderful Jesus is. And I'm just telling you, more and more Jesus. This is the secret of the Christian life. 
It is not about your own self-discipline. That comes as you behold the glory of Jesus. And see what that will do as you do that more. 43 seconds, 42 seconds, 40. I'm good. Let me pray. God, thank you for your love and your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the chance that we have to gather today and to talk about Jesus. Father, I would pray that as a church, we are constantly reminding each other of the word of your grace that we're doing that over the long haul. And God, that we are setting our affections more and more on Jesus. And as we do, Lord, you're going to generate in us the boldness to speak, the tenacity of toughness to continue going, the steadfastness that we need to do the work of the ministry. You're going to give us the wisdom that we need to do it effectively. All this comes from you as we behold you. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Redemption. You are loved.